0: What's up guys, My Take Radio episode 246 presented by Rageworks for Thursday, September 25th, 2014. I'm your host Rich, our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call at number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. It's rated M for Mature due to strong language, so as always, listener and viewer discretion is advised. All right, so again, second show of the week, uh, second week doing the two-show cycle. Uh, having a blast. Last night we did uh, ga- uh, gaming. <laughs> we did wrestling and MMA. Jay Santi joined us to break down Night of Champions. We also talked about Raw, uh, the MMA news for the week, including what happened with Vanderlei Silva. I'm actually working... On a piece uh, showcasing some of my favorite Vanderlei Silva fights, which I'm really pumped to share with you guys. That should be published, excuse me. That should be published tomorrow, hopefully, along with some other content as well. Hopefully, I'll get out to the theater this weekend and check out the Equalizer with Denzel Washington, which looks pretty badass, and um, I'll have a review for that on RageWorks.net. All right. So before we get into this week's show. Uh, We got a lot to discuss, um, just some housekeeping, a lot of the stuff we touched on yesterday. uh, Just want to touch on a couple of things today. Um, The 245th episode of My Take Radio has already been uploaded and is available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any of your podcast providers. As always, if you're getting the show via iTunes, please take a moment, give us a five-star review, or write a brief review. We would really, really appreciate it. It gets us up into new and noteworthy. It gets us recognized in the standings. And um, like I said, we'd really appreciate it. Our download numbers are getting better and better every week. So I want to thank all of you guys, foreign and domestic, that are checking out the show, sending me your tweets and emails. Uh, We definitely appreciate the support. Um, A couple of things. Also, just like I said, a refresher for those of you that didn't tune in yesterday. um, There's going to be a couple of schedule changes for October and November just because of some events that we are going to be covering, including the Photo Plus Expo, the International CES Preview, and Gadget Expand, and a host of other events as well. As always, make sure to keep an eye on the RageWorks.net calendar with all the event listings. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one, one. I got one message today with regards to the MyTakeRadio.com site. Um, again, I have to stress, and I got to keep reminding you guys until I... Finish the redesign of mytakeradio.com. All reviews, content, um, live blogs, all that content going forward will be on rageworks.net. Rageworks is the parent company of mytakeradio and all the other programming that we provide, as well as some, as well as some of our other projects. Rageworks.net is where you're going to want to go to see all the game reviews and all the other content. Same thing with our Facebook fan pages. As of late, I've been sharing stuff on both our My Take Radio Facebook page and our Rageworks page. Same thing with our Google Plus pages, only because some people just aren't getting the stuff on Rageworks and others are getting it via My Take Radio. Uh, there's still a huge, huge um, disconnect with regards to fan counts for both pages. Again, if you're a fan of the My Take Radio page, please take a moment and check out the Rageworks page. All the cosplay and stuff that we've always shared, we're going to be sharing on that page. All the conversation will be happening on that page. And um, I want to keep it that way for, for the time being. I know we were talking about bringing back the forums, but again, it's just too much management. And I know Slick and I have discussed that. And we just feel that the audience isn't at a stage where they can they can hang out in the forums on a consistent basis, I'm hoping that changes in the coming weeks, but it's something that's going to be on the back burner for now. With regards to other content, besides episode 245 that we put up yesterday, I also put up a brand new My Take Radio Beyond the Mic with Mike Kingston, creator of Headlocked, representing Headlocked tonight. And um, they have a brand new Kickstarter for Headlocked Volume 2. Uh, please take a moment and check it out. You can you can find out all the information in the interview notes. And definitely check out the interview. Mike has been a longtime friend of the show. We love supporting Headlocked. He supports us. We support him. And the comics are great. You got um, artwork by, of course, Jerry the King Lawler. And stories by a host of wrestling talent out there. Including, you know, some luminaries that you guys may recognize. Um, you know, Frankie Kazarian... Uh, Christopher Daniels uh, just a lot of great guys Hurricane Helms those guys they're, they're contributing a lot of great stuff to headlocked and there's also a ton of extra uh, giveaways and perks that you get if you contribute to the headlocked project so definitely check that out as well like I said it's already available for download and um, you know you guys will be able to do that I've noticed that you guys are telling me that the video is down on GFQ I figured that might have been fixed I'm assuming that they're still working on that. I know, um, you know. I see that a lot of the guys are not able to get video. But in any event, if you can't get the video, note that we do put the video feed up on our YouTube page. So it's YouTube.com forward slash My Take Radio TV. Um, Slick, I noticed that too. Um, I think that's partially my fault, but because I didn't change it. But fuck it. Uh, I'll take care of it in post-production, but definitely I did notice that as well. Um, little sidebar with Slick. All right, so we're going to be talking gaming and entertainment tonight, and I want to get into um, an issue that I really wasn't di- – I didn't dig too deep into when it really hit the hit the the Twitter sphere, so to speak, and um, one of my colleagues brought it to my attention, and it is the GamerGate situation. Now the Gamergate situation, if you guys are not aware, is a very very interesting situation that happened involving a developer named um, Zoe Quinn who allegedly according to her ex-boyfriend had enjoyed um, at, at minimum five sexual relationships in quick succession with industry figures including gaming journalists and you know other developers and all this was going on while she was receiving praise for her depression quest game, as well as being in receipt of financial support for journalists who reported on her, uh, definitely a very very interesting situation that all of a sudden just snowballed into something bigger and bigger every every day. It was just something crazier and crazier, and I didn't I didn't pay it too much attention. And the reasoning is because I say and you know I say every week, and I've said it on numerous episodes that I do not consider myself. A journalist, I consider—I consider myself an opinionated pundit, uh, a Bill Maher, if you will, or um, that de- definitely a Bill Maher. A Bill Maher is a good way to look at it. That's that's pretty much how I consider myself. And in reading it, and seeing that, and seeing how much it snowballed, it's even gotten crazier. Uh, particularly because uh, obviously the exchange of sexual favors and lavish praise. Have you know are a big factor, but also because there exists a a almost like a secret society of journalists made up of some of uh you know a who's who of journalists and um these guys you know they have their their they're all about getting their message out there they're all scratching each other's backs they're they're shitting on YouTubers etc etc um it was funny Uh, there was a private email thread that got leaked out all of this is on Breitbart I will definitely share the link with you guys and um it's uh it's crazy it is some crazy crazy stuff and the thing that gets me is that it snowballed into such a a crazy thing and everybody's using the Gamergate hashtag and like I said I didn't find out about it till this week when um a colleague of mine said listen you should check this out because it's pretty funny stuff and when I read it it just blew my mind but the funny thing is that um, I'm reading a book about, you know, media, uh, pretty much social media and how journalists game the media. It's, it's written by Ryan Holiday, and um, I got to tell you, like, after reading his book and seeing that, it just blew my mind. Um, ra- put, put it this way. Ryan Holiday's worked with um, Tucker Max, who many of you may know for I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. He also worked with American Apparel, uh, he wrote a book, which is called Trust Me, I'm Lying. And it's a it's a crazy, crazy book, which um, pretty much just... Bl- it didn't blow the lid off uh, media manipulation, but it really just opened my eyes to how the game is played. For those of you that want to check it out, the book is called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Confessions of a Media Manipulator. And you can find it on Amazon. And the, like I said, the crazy thing about this is that... Some of the stuff that he talked about the spread of misinformation, it really was like like Project Mayhem from Fight Club. It was so insane, so crazy that you know, when I read when I read the full scope of Gamergate, I just I wasn't shocked, but I didn't know that there was such a an underlying subculture among professional journalists and Before I get into the the gaming segment, I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. And I actually want to share this, not so much for you guys, the listeners, but for those of you that are looking to get into, you know, running your own website, reporting on the industry, sharing news, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, everybody's going to give you the old story that, oh, you got to get the stuff out there quick. You got to get the stuff out there fast. And that's, that's fine, you know, if that's what you're trying to do. But if you're just trying to carve out a niche and be unique, then do yourselves a favor, utilize your own voice, your own delivery, uh, take a moment, pick up an AP style book, learn, you know, improve your writing, have genuine opinions, and just try to contribute as best as possible. That's how I see it. A lot of people, they want to jump in, they want to automatically get 10,000 hits a day on their site, 100,000 hits, they want to monetize immediately, they want to fly to all these events, but the funny thing about it is that all of that requires a lot of work. A lot of work. There's a lot of sleepless nights, there's a lot of tweaking and there's a lot of working that you have to do behind the scenes whether it's ensuring that you're putting out posts every day, ensuring that you're you're trying to network with as many PR people as possible. There is a huge huge amount of work that goes into wanting to get into this industry. And it, you know, it frustrates me that you see some guy or some, some, you know, some individual, not some guy, some individual, that automatically thinks that just because they throw up a, a WordPress site or a blogger site or a Tumblr blog, and they throw up a couple of articles here and there, or they repurpose and copy and paste a lot of shit, that that's really it. It's not, you know, for 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 those of us that that put a lot of time into this stuff, it's it insult. For, for me personally, reading the GamerGate stuff just insults my intelligence and I'll tell you guys why because myself slick the rest of the MTR team you know we get the games we try to turn the the reviews around as best as possible we try to be honest we try to be fair sometimes a little too honest but I'd rather be you know loved for what I am than hated for what I'm not you know I'd rather people say hey man you guys are fucking real you guys don't don't pull any punches versus oh yeah you guys gave that game an eight Everybody else gave it an 8. It's, it's crazy that that's the, the culture we're in. And I've t- I talked about this um, not last week, the week prior when Slick was on, and I said the same thing. We try to give you easily consumable content, content that you could read w- right away and get the information you need. You don't need six-page dissertations. You don't need uh, a paragraph about frame rate. If you want that kind of stuff, you're going to go to the guys that provide that information like this you know I don't wake up every day trying to compete against Polygon or Kotaku or The Verge or Film Drunk or what would Tyler Durden do on the contrary I love those sites I'm a big fan of their work for different reasons and all I want to do is pretty much stay in my own lane you know instead of worrying about being in the same lane with everybody else grab a jackhammer and lay out your own road that's it and the gamergate thing everybody's talking about it because everybody feels that it affects them in some crazy way and i hate to break it to you guys it really doesn't it doesn't your blog if your blog's traffic sucks it's not about oh i don't have an audience maybe it's because your content sucks that's it like sometimes you got to be a realist some days you got to wake up and go hey maybe i maybe this isn't what i need to do or you got to keep working at it You know, it's not about, it's not about falling, you know, it's like the old Bruce Lee saying, I fear the man that practices one kick 10,000 times than the guy that knows 10,000 kicks. It's true. I'd rather be known for one thing than be known for a whole bunch of stuff and be broke. That's it. I'd rather be known for one thing, be good at it, and be known for it. Like, there's too much of that. I've seen, I've seen guys, and I'm not going to shit on nobody, but I've seen guys, they start off running X gaming website, and then all of a sudden the gaming website morphs into um, an MMA site, and then it morphs into a toy site, then it morphs into a wrestling site. Before you know it, you know, a thousand people are pretty much sharing opinions that aren't even opinions. It's just copy and pasted stuff. It's insanity. I've known a, a dozen guys that they'll start off covering gaming. And then before you know it, they want to cover technology so they could get free shit. Then before you know it, they want to cover movies so they could go see movies for free. And then those same guys evolve into wanting to cover wrestling because they want to talk to their favorite wrestlers. It, it's... Listen. You know, to close things out, and, and it's kind of my monologue... You know, to close things out again, carve out your own lane, educate yourselves, read one book a day, figure out what you're good at and read it. Like I said, I read the the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, an amazing book, The Art of Saying No by James Altucher, great book, and it was an eye opener. Do you realize how many times I've said no to shit on a regular basis since I've read that? And it feels good. And it's not even about being nice or hurting anybody's feelings. It's like, nope. I got an email a couple of days ago. Hey, we want to put a guest post on your site about some, you know, top 10 mobile games. So I looked up the the article, and the article has appeared on five or six other sites. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to toss you a couple of dollars, whatever. Now, obviously, you say, oh, yeah, you know, a couple bucks here. Let me let me throw it up there. Fuck it. But then you realize that that's not what you're about. It's not. You know. It's like I'm I, I refuse to do it. I refuse to share some article about some shit that I don't even talk about. Like if I'm gonna talk about a mobile game, it's because I played it or an app, it's because I've used it. But I'm not gonna do it. Just, what for? For a couple of dollars and and some backlinks to some shitty ass website, especially when it's gambling stuff. Fuck that. Again. I'd rather keep pounding the pavement, working my ass off, and we get to where we get to eventually. It's all part of the process. Like uh, Combat Jack said, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the journey. So, again, do yourselves a favor. Check out the Breitbart articles about Gamergate. Educate yourselves. If you're a journalist or you're trying to be a journalist, take the opportunity. learn, Learn the craft. Like I said, pick up an AP style book read a couple of books about what, you're, what you want to do, and then just become really, really good at it. When I when I met Jason Calacanis not too long ago, he said, what do you do on your show? And I said, X, Y, and Z. He goes, what do you like to do? I'm like, I like to do interviews. And the dude pretty much said, "The he pretty much spun the conversation where he ended up interviewing me, and he goes, you see how I did that? And I, I was just, my mind was blown. He goes, you see how you did that? If you're really good at something, then that's what you got to focus on. And me, I'm good at fucking griping and complaining and being angry. So I might as well share it with on a broader scale as best as I can. That's it. Anyway, let me stop rambling and get into the, uh, the gaming news for this week. I did share the links for those Breitbart articles just because I want you guys to check it out. Because like I said, it's just insanity at its best. Anyway, so... Let's get into the week's gaming news. I'm sure that um, Slick is probably going to want to chime in at some point, and um, I definitely will welcome it. So let's get that ball rolling, shall we? So, crazy as it may be, you know, gaming has been... I don't even want to say that gaming's been quiet, but gaming has kind of been building up to like a crescendo, just gradually one good game here one solid game there one you know one decent game here and then once November rolls around it's just all hell breaks loose you got five or six you know triple a titles you only got a, a check you know two checks in November that you got to use for Christmas shopping you're just ripping your hair out you're praying to the retail gods that Black Friday strikes and every game you want is $20 so that you can get them all at once. And the funny thing about this is that, you know, Destiny, I've been seeing a lot of people putting out brand new Destiny reviews, and they're just heaping praise on the game, which is funny because it goes back to the conversation that we had uh, not too long ago, and it was about that same thing, you know, just people rushing to judgment, and then these people have to either republish their reviews updated or they have to you know, re- retract a lot of their, their negative feedback because the games end up becoming greater. Now, I do want to get into uh, the WWE 2K15 trailer that 2K sent us, and I got to to, sh- to share that with you guys. And the thing about it is that when you look at it, there's areas of the game that look okay, and then there's areas of the game that are completely visually mind-blowing. And when I saw it, I said to myself, you know, I have a feeling that most of the stuff that they're using is a combination of cutscene and current generation graphics. Now, the reason I said that is because you can see the differences in certain in certain sequences. I mean, when I shared screenshots from the trailer, you can see that like uh, Bray Wyatt's beard was very, very detailed. Meanwhile, when Daniel Bryan was on top of the turnbuckle, it looked it didn't look washed out, but it did not look as crisp. As some of the other screenshots. Now, thinking about that and seeing that, I said to myself, "You know what? I'll I'll accept the delay on this game because if it's the it's the first jump to next gen, it's definitely something that they want to get right." Uh, They actually held uh, an event today, two K at the WWE Performance Center, and they announced that Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, and Bo Dallas are actually going to be in WWE Two K Fifteen. Now, obviously. Bo Dallas being on the main roster is, a, is is no big deal, and his inclusion in the game really shouldn't shock anyone. But on the flip side, seeing Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, two guys that haven't made it onto the main roster yet, already included in the game, is pretty fucking awesome. It just shows the belief that the WWE has in these individuals, and I hope that when they bring them up to the main roster, that is the case. But I figured I'd open with that and let you guys know That NXT's Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, and of course, uh, Bo Dallas, you gotta believe, are all gonna be in WWE 2K15. Um, On the flip side, on the Street Fighter side of things, we already know that, you know, we got Ultra Street Fighter 4 that came out not too long ago. And they're releasing a brand new update for it called Omega Mode, which actually modifies all the characters and, and they end up getting new and normal attacks. Now, the cool thing, I mean, uh, they get new normal attacks and new special attacks. Uh, the cool thing about that is that the update is going to be free, and it just gives you another way to play the game. Now, that's not to say that, you know, people are, are playing Street Fighter 4 the same way, but at least it gives the game just a new look. Uh, there were some really cool moves that they shared, and I'm going to see if I can get the video and share it on the site. Uh, just different attack patterns and... In essence, they extended the shelf life. Definitely I agree with that slick. And that's fine. You know, I'm a I'm a I love Street Fighter. I've pretty much I pretty much own every Street Fighter incarnation, um, including Street Fighter EX. I know um, a couple of guys asked me when I'm gonna start streaming again. Uh maybe I'll stream this weekend. I'm thinking maybe we'll throw on some Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha or um one of the other retro games, maybe some WrestleFest, even though we did that for the Blast from the Past on YouTube, maybe we'll throw that out. As well, But in any event, um, Street Fighter Omega mode looks very, very cool. I think um, a lot of people are going to definitely pick up the game, uh, either, either pick up the game or just get back into the game when that mode drops. As of right now, there's no specific release date, but I'm sure, if anything, we will get it before the year is out. If not, um, definitely early part of 2015 because that's an update that changes the game and you want to extend the shelf life of it. Because obviously for the competitive gaming season, um, especially for Evo and stuff like that, you're going to want to have a little fun with that mode. Again, be on the lookout for the Street Fighter Omega mode patch um, on, you know, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and of course on the PC as well. I see that Slick shared the video. Thank you for that, Slick. I appreciate it. And um, I want to talk a little bit about DLC. We've talked about updates. I want to talk about DLC because Assassin's Creed Unity is already getting a trailer for their upcoming season pass. Uh, the first uh, DLC content that's going to be released is called Assassin's Creed Unity Dead Kings, which is going to follow the main character Arno outside of Paris, and he's going to uh, investigate the mystery surrounding St. Denis. You're also going to get new gear and, of course, new weapons like the guillotine gun, um, which is going to be pretty badass. I think that um, also... They're releasing a standalone game called Assassin's Creed Chronicles China, which will be exclusive for those with the season pass. So, of course, Ubisoft going out of their way to ensure that people are picking up that season pass when Assassin's Creed comes out. I have no problem with that. Um, as always, season, season passes have, uh, I have a love-hate relationship with them depending on the game and what they add to it. Most times I end up just waiting for an ultimate edition of the game that includes all the season pass stuff in it. Other times, you know, I, I, I do break down and buy the season pass. But in any event, if you are an Assassin's Creed fan and you want to get in on it, the season pass is going to run you $29.99, and it's going to be released in early 2015. Assassin's Creed Unity will be released on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on November 13th. All right, so if you are using Xbox Live, uh, Xbox Live Gold, you know that you get free games every month. Same thing with PlayStation Plus. October is going to have some really great games. If you're interested, you're going to get Battlefield Bad Company. And you're also going to get one of my favorites, Darksiders 2. And if you have the Xbox One, you're going to be getting Chariot for free. So, Chariot's going to be available on Xbox One starting October 1st. Battlefield Bad Company will be available between October 1st and 15th on the Xbox 360. Darksiders 2 is going to be available from October 16th through the 31st for Halloween. Also, uh, right now, you if you haven't, make sure to take advantage and download Super Time Force on Xbox One and Halo Reach on Xbox 360. Those are the games for September's Games with Gold. So make sure to pick that up if you have not already. On the Nintendo side of things, those of you that are uh, supporters of the Wii U Virtual Console, you're going to want to pick up two classics uh, from the Castlevania series that are available, um, Castlevania, Dracula X, and of course Castlevania: Circle of the Moon, which will be available on the Wii U Virtual Console on October 2nd and October 9th. So you'll be able to pick that up. Uh, one of the things, uh, Castlevania: Dracula X, is one of those games that everybody talks about. It's a game I never got a chance to play. Uh, some people say that you know they've remastered it, and it's kind of flow. It's kind of gone under the radar for me. I haven't played a Castlevania game in a couple of years. So, um, you know, (laughs) I'm a little bummed I don't have a Wii U to pick that up, but if you do have a virtual console, definitely make it a point to pick up Dracula X or Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Alright, so, while we're on the subject of Nintendo, you guys know that last week we were talking about Watch Dogs coming to the Wii U. Uh, Slick definitely uh, made a valid point with, um, you know, the game getting a renewed shelf life on the v- on the Wii U because it was going to utilize some of the Wii U's features. Well, the love affair with Watch Dogs on the Wii U is going to piss off a lot of people because you guys are not getting DLC. So if you went and you are jonesing to pick up Watch Dogs on the Wii U, guess what you're not getting? dlc ubisoft confirmed on the on twitter that watchdogs dlc bad blood will not be available on the wii u see it's situations and incidents like this that really make people apprehensive about supporting the wii u console obviously first party games from nintendo are going to get all the love but it, it bums me out that companies like ubisoft and and other companies are just not throwing their support behind the system the Wii U is not a weak system. Sure, it's not it's not on the same level as an Xbox One or a PS4, but it's still comparable to an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation 3. I don't care what anybody says. Depending on what game you're playing, it's pretty fucking comparable. So the fact that Ubisoft would screw people out of that, especially if people were holding out on it because they wanted to use the uh, the control pad, as the you know for for the game they're not they're not even going to be able to enjoy the dlc i think it's poor form from ubisoft and it just continues to reinforce the fact that nintendo is pretty much the red-headed stepchild of gaming when it comes to third-party developers it's truly unfortunate because like i've said the wii u definitely is is getting a lot of great games and slick just said in the chat watchdogs would be extra awesome with the tablet so why would you shortchange people that made the investment to buy the game on that system? It boggles my fucking mind, guys. It really does. But, hey, what can you do? You can't stop Ubisoft. They, um, you know, they did what they had to do. They they committed to getting the game on the Wii U. They did that. So they just expect you to be happy with that and, and keep your mouth shut. It is what it is, folks. Uh, you know, I just report the shit. That's it. <laughs> All right, so... In a a, a big boost for professional gaming, MLG is actually opening up an arena of their own in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Major League Gaming said that they're going to be opening this arena. It's going to be a 14,000 square foot venue with stadium seating where hundreds of spectators can watch tournaments live. Uh, Both players and teams participating in these contests won't be distracted by outside cheers thanks to soundproof booths. So, uh, very cool uh, developments from MLG. They're saying that the Columbus Arena will offer visitors an enthralling experience of the Pro Circuit events in a more intimate setting. In addition to that, there are also rumors that they're going to be opening an MLG gaming arena in China in 2017. Now, as crazy as this sounds, professional gaming or esports, depending on who you speak to, is really getting into its own. I've seen Evo events. I've seen... Um, you know, League of Legends events that are just amazing. Dota, uh, these these events. There's so many people, so many spectators. There, it's a brand new revenue stream. It's a brand new demographic that you can reach. And all you're doing is you're setting up TVs and consoles. There's minimal overhead. You got vendors selling all their stuff. You got companies actually partnering up to offer exclusive stuff. So we're we're going beyond the cons, and we're going beyond the small events, and we're getting into um, real professional venues dedicated to to pro gaming. And I think it's an interesting market that I think is going to be very, very successful. I mean, I know a lot of people, they actually make the trip out to Evo just to, sometimes they spectate, sometimes they compete, but still it's a crazy event. And I wouldn't be shocked if esports or Major League Gaming decided to open up a venue like that here in New York City. Especially because, you know, gaming here in New York City, uh, you know, they do a lot of stuff in Times Square. They do a lot of stuff in Midtown. There's countless events. uh, A lot of companies have their offices here in New York. So I wouldn't be shocked if we get a venue like that here in the near future as well. But if you live in Ohio, you can definitely go check that out when it opens. Um with regards to China, China getting a, uh, a professional gaming arena, you're going to have guys pretty much dying in there. You know, those guys that play those marathon gaming sessions because the, they're on a separate... Uh, the Chinese and Korean gamers are on a whole other level when it comes to gaming. But like I said, it's pretty cool. It's nice to see that the that the genre of gaming is, no, is not just associated with violence or, you know sexism or any of that other bullshit and there's actually big strides major strides being done to turn it into a bigger medium than it is so definitely kudos to the crew at mlg for that uh slick says by the time we are old farts gaming will be televised sports entertainment you know what's crazy slick you're not wrong (laughs) you are not wrong in the least it definitely is something that's um that's gonna happen isaiah writes i'd rather play a game then watch it. You know what's funny, man? You say that up in, until, like I was telling Slick uh, last week when we were speaking off air, when I saw the first Destiny raid and they were streaming it on Twitch, it was just, it was cool to see, you know? It just it just made you feel like you were part of the action. Again, don't get me wrong, you definitely want to participate and you want to be involved, but it's cool sometimes just to see people that do this for a living or are making a living off of gaming just play a game and really exhibit passion and and just genuine excitement i mean a lot of people and i've talked about this before you know they talk about pewdiepie uh who does a lot of gaming videos the guy made four million dollars uh from youtube the you know people watch his videos and whether you love the videos or you hate the videos you can't knock the guy's passion he really enjoys it and fuck it you're making four million dollars playing games there's no problem with that. I have zero issue with that. Regardless of whether you know you're a YouTube comment uh, a, a commenter on YouTube and you, and you hate the guy's videos, you cannot knock the guy's hustle. It takes a lot of work to to you know play the games, edit them, make them interesting, be enough of an engaging personality for people to tune in. Shit, when I've streamed games, I'm happy if I get ten or fifteen people on Twitch watching me play a game. And that was even before I got the setup I got now. You know, it was just it was just pretty cool. Like, oh wow, there's ten people that genuinely are listening to my bullshit ass commentary and are actually enjoying the game that I'm playing. And again, I played you know Aliens vs Predator the arcade because I have a main cabinet in my uh, my old Xbox. You know, stuff like that. Wrestle Fast, uh, Street Fighter Alpha, uh, Dreamcast. Played a lot of Dreamcast stuff. It's it's insane. You know. Isaiah says, it's cool, but I'd still rather play. I really hate those YouTube stars who stream. PewDiePie is funny, though. You know what's funny about that? I, like I said, I can't even knock the guy. Even if the guy made shitty videos, as soon as you see that the guy made $4 million off YouTube, my opinion is invalid. It's like if you go to the guy and you go, yeah, you're not funny, it, 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 he pretty much can give you the Tony Stark answer. You know, billionaire philanthropist playboy. You know, he could just be like, you know, millionaire, gamer, and I do it for fun. You know, like, like I, like I, you can't even clown guys like that. And it's funny because a lot of people, they're like, yo, fuck that guy, man. I do better videos than him. Do you? Where's your million dollars? Like, this is what I'm saying. That instead of spending time, yo, man, fuck that guy. Or this streamer, he sucks. If you can do it better, then do it better. There, there's plenty of shows I've listened to that, and I try not to listen to stuff that covers the same things I do. But occasionally I do and I'll be like, damn, you know, these guys, their audio sucks or how the how the hell are these guys so popular? You know, I do the same shit. And then I realize, fuck it. Stay in my own lane. Build my own shit. We'll get there eventually. But seriously, there's a um, PewDiePie four million dollars. There's a girl. She does makeup tutorials. She made like two million dollars. She got sued by the by the R.I.A.A. for using licensed music and the um the artist whose music she was using actually th- said he supported her and didn't mind but of course the RIAA that saw that she was making a couple million and they decided oh well if you're making a couple million then you're going to you're going to pony up that cash so uh, again you know instead of instead of complaining or or you know going onto a YouTube video and shitting on that person realize that that person's probably working three times harder than you are even pewdiepie you know you look at his videos you may not think they're all that but there's work involved between streaming and coding editing all that shit and a lot of that stuff is self-taught nobody's learning that shit in school and if they are more power to them but i figured i would share that with you especially like i said the mlg stuff is very very cool um let me switch gears for a second it's been a long time, and I and I, I want to pose this question to you guys before I get into this story. What was the last good Dragon Ball Z game that any of you played? And I know a lot of you guys have played your fair share, but I'm curious, which was the last Dragon Ball Z game that you played that you genuinely enjoyed? I probably, for me, it'll probably be some of the stuff on Super Famicom, the cartridge, the cartridge games, um... Dragon Ball GT Final Bout was fucking terrible, but I played that game as soon as I played it. I, I, as soon as it came out, I bought it, and it was funny because when the game got discontinued, I remember selling the PlayStation disc on eBay for like 300 bucks, which was insane at the time. This was after I had learned how to um, back up my PlayStation 1 games. Yeah, that's that's the term. After I learned how to back them up, I sold the original and uh, made about $150, $200 from it. And the crazy thing is that after that I made it a point to try and find every Japanese Dragon Ball game on PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. And I ended up buying most of them. And as of late, the last couple of Dragon Ball Z games that have come out just have not been good. Either because they're not they're not fun to play or the control scheme is very crazy. It's just, it's just not as enjoyable as... As I'd like so it was funny because Dragon uh, Bando, uh, Bandai Namco announced a brand new Dragon Ball Z game called Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse, which is um, going to expand on a lot of the stories. But the cool thing is that you're going to be able to build your own customizable character, including the ability to go Super Saiyan. So if Slick decides to create himself in the game, and he wants to be a Saiyan that goes level four, and it'll be like the first African-American Super Saiyan, that can be done. It is going to happen. They showed it at Tokyo Game Show, and basically you'll be able to customize your character's race, gender, head, weight, and costumes, meaning that if you choose to create a female Super Saiyan, you can do so. It's pretty badass. I think uh, the concept looks pretty cool. Um, The video that they showed, I'm going to share it on Rageworks.net, was very impressive. I mean Slick. If you want to pull it up. Uh, definitely check it out. It's Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse. X-E-N-O-V-E-R-S-E. Um, again the concept. Very cool. But it's all going to come down to control. And if they're going to move a lot of units. The Dragon Ball Z games. Always are enjoyed by a very very small niche. I feel. But I personally do enjoy playing them. And I, like I said. I own a lot of the PS2 stuff. Uh, some old PS1 games. I used to. When I I had my Super Nintendo, I used to buy the Famicom cartridges, and it was funny because the Famicom cartridges, the Super Famicom cartridges, excuse me, didn't fit in the Super Nintendo. So what you had to do, and I learned this when I worked in the video game store, is you turn the cartridge, you take a drill, and you put it over the screws, and you run the the drill so that you can create the grooves to actually insert the game into your Super Nintendo. So you know it was a nice ghetto hack. Uh, I knew countless guys that would come in and sell their Dragon Ball Z cartridges, and we'd we'd have to pay them a decent amount of money. I know. I remember my boss. He used to. Uh, guys would come in with Dragon Ball Z games, and they'd get you know twenty, twenty five dollars, thirty dollars for cartridges, just because they were incredibly limited, and they always sold. Most of the time, they sold to me, but um, that's a that's a separate story. But again, it it's definitely cool. That they're doing something different with Dragon Ball Z. Like I said, you'll be able to play as a female Super Saiyan. You'd be able, you'll be able to create your own, and um, it's. I, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Again, I want to see the controls. The graphics obviously are going to look good. Um, for those of you that are looking to pick this game up, Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse will be released on PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, Windows PC via Steam, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and Xbox One. Allegedly, there will be a beta version that's going to be released on the PlayStation 3 sooner rather than later. Don't quote me on it until I get further information, but in any event, I definitely feel that that's going to be a game worth checking out. All right, so before I wrap up the gaming news for this week, I I wanted to answer a question I received with regards to streaming. And um the question was, you know, what are you using to stream and and what are you doing Uh, What gear are you using? And I want to break it down because I know a lot of people may want to get into streaming um, for different reasons. Obviously, the next-gen consoles have the streaming built in, and you can use that, whether it's on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, if you choose. You can record video clips if you choose. But those doing it that way, you require the camera and all the stuff, and it's it's fine. But what about other consoles? What about PS3? What about Xbox 360? Uh, Your Dreamcast, etc. So... I use an Elgato uh Elgato Game Capture HD. And the cool thing is that this that 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 particular version that I this particular version that I use comes with a um you know the Xbox 360 HDMI that you can plug in that way, then it comes with a special cable to plug in your PS3 that you can use. You're not you can't run your PS3 directly through HDMI unless you go and you find a certain type of splitter on Amazon that will allow you to use HDMI to uh, via capture. If you want to deal with that aggravation, you can, but the success rate is going to vary. So, if you want to do it, you can either use the Elgato Game Capture HD or what Slick uses, Slick uses the Live Gamer Portable with, uh, both very very solid. Uh, for those of you that want to stream classic stuff, the the Elgato Game Capture HD. If you go to their website, you can actually get a dongle that you can attach to stream classic systems, uh, systems like the Dreamcast, which I've done, the original Xbox, PlayStation Two. Um, you know you can you can stream any of those GameCube if you got it. I've seen a couple of guys stream a Nintendo sixty four. And you you can do all that the uh, like I said the dongle will cost you ten dollars and you can get that and you'll be able to stream all those classic systems. I actually want to get a retro N system, um, which is a system that plays Nintendo Super Nintendo, uh, Genesis, uh, Game Boy Advance. I also believe I, it plays Nintendo 64. It's the uh, the retro N five. And it comes with uh, Bluetooth controllers and HDMI output. And I'd love to get that just because I, I still got a couple of old cartridges laying around that I definitely would not mind streaming. Just a really, really bad shit. And, and I'm talking about like Eternal Champions, uh, Streets of Rage 1 through 3, 3, 3 being insane. Um, even though those games, they got remastered and released on... You know, uh, Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3. I would like to just play them the old way with the old controller. I used to like to play, um, I believe it was called Fighter's Destiny on Nintendo 64. That that game was not that great, but it was still an interesting game to play. So, definitely games like that. Yeah, it was fucking awful slick. I make, I make no excuses. <laughs> I make no excuses for that game. But still, you know, you pick that up. Maybe Killer Instinct 2. And streaming stuff like that, like I said, I, I do that with most of the other classic consoles, like I said, with the Elgato Game Capture HD. Now, the way you set it up is HDMI in from um, HDMI in on the Game Capture gets whatever in, input you want to use, Xbox 360, etc. You output it out to your receiver or your TV directly, and then obviously it's powered via USB to your computer or laptop. In my case, I have a 50-foot USB cable that I run directly from the Elgato all the way to my tower because my tower is the 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 main system that does the show. So I use that to stream. Now, obviously, there's other ways. Um, a buddy of mine he actually picked up one of those uh, Dell slash Alienware X51 computer towers, which look like they it almost looks like an Xbox One. So he has that in his home theater, and he actually, I think he bought it off of Craigslist for like 500 bucks, 400 bucks. Uh, Very, very solid system, and he just has his Elgato plugged directly into that, and he uses that to stream, and then he has his separate computer for video editing in another room. You can do that as well. You can build a streaming machine, but if you don't want to do that, just get a decent decent USB cable, um, a good extender, go to Monoprice and pick it up, and you'll be able to do that. Uh, I hope that answers your question. That's Phil that sent it in. Um, again, if you got any other questions, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. I'll gladly try and share my setup with you and walk you through it. Again, results may vary. My setup is unique given the placement of all my gear. Obviously, for those of you that have gear closer or better laptops, etc., definitely you're going to want to do it a little differently. Now, with regards to commentary, me, I use a 25-foot mic cable, and I have this mic um, on a desktop mount, and I use that to do any commentary. Uh, the Elgato software allows you to do the commentary right in within the software itself, and you can do that. Otherwise, you can pick up a mixer, a small mixer, nothing as crazy as what we use on the show. You can do that, and you can run, I believe you run the, the audio out into the mixer... And then you plug your mic in and this will allow people to hear the party chat. If you're in a party chat, plus your commentary as well. Again, results may vary. Definitely. Um, Reddit is a, good, is a good source for this. They have um, uh, they have dedicated subreddits to streaming. Uh, that's one of the best places that you can find all the resources. But again, if you need anything directly and I can help, drop me a line, mtrhost, at mytakeradio.com. All right. That's going to wrap up the gaming for this week. Like I said, things have been a little quiet. We got to get into some entertainment news, so let's get that ball rolling, shall we? All right, let's get into this week's entertainment news. Last week we were talking about the Supergirl TV series that was greenlit and we were we didn't have any other details with regards to what network it was going to be debuting on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that has changed. As CBS is the latest suitor to the superhero genre jumping in headfirst with a Supergirl TV series, so CBS, NBC, Fox, um, ABC, they all have their own comic properties with, you know, whichever they may be. And the thing that gets me is that obviously it's going to be Greg Berlanti and they, you know, they're doing such a great job with arrow and with the flash, but it bothers me that you would not have that show on that network. Again, um, arrow and the flash work very well together in terms of synergy, obviously popping up in each other's shows, uh, I saw I saw the first episode of The Flash. I'm not going to tell you how, but I did. And um looks incredibly promising. I mean Arrow was is tremendous and continues to impress every week. I'm not sure CBS is as well versed for for comic book properties as say, you know, FX or even even the CW just because getting into that you run the risk of you know, just really, really hurting a character, and this is something, if you guys remember that terrible show on NBC, The Cape, when NBC tried their hand at the superhero shows, and it just, it was just fucking awful, it really was awful, and the thing that gets me is, there's so many great characters, so much great mythology, and I continue to feel, I continue to be annoyed by the fact that they continue to put out these DC shows with no synergy, to the cinematic universe, it, it but it bugs me to no end. Um, meanwhile, on the Marvel side of things, obviously, if you saw the first episode of Agents of Shield, you see that it ties into Captain America. You got to see um, Haley Atwell show up and some of the Howling Commandos. So you know a lot of synergy, a lot of little things that that tie together. Uh, The same is going to be said for the Netflix Daredevil series and the Heroes for Hire when that stuff comes out. It's all existing in the same universe, and I feel that that's where DC has dropped the ball, but, you know, that's a gripe for another day. We talked about the Power Rangers reboot a couple of weeks back, and we were talking about Roberto Orsi being involved, and, you know, Power Rangers coming back to the big screen, courtesy of Lionsgate, but as it turns out, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Uh, Roberto Orsi is no longer involved with the project because he is now scheduled to direct Star Trek 3. Orsi originally was previously attached to Executive Produce the reboot, and um, he did help develop the story, but he's going to be focusing on Star Trek 3 instead. Now, the thing about this is that bringing Power Rangers back to the big screen, I'm sure, is just another, another blatant cash grab But I do feel that with the advances in special effects, you could do some really, really cool shit. And um, we shall see what happens. We'll see who gets attached. And as soon as we hear something, we will definitely share it with you guys. All right, let's talk box office totals. Um, The Maze Runner took number one. I was shocked that Slick didn't tell me he went to see it. Uh, Earning $32.5 million, it defeated Liam Neeson's A Walk Among the Tombstones. Excuse me that earned $13.1 million. In the number three spot was This Is Where I Leave You. Uh, number four was No Good Deed with Idris Elba, earning an additional $10.2 million, uh, $40.1 million total thus far. Considering how cheap that movie was to make, still pretty badass. Um, Dolphin Tale 2 came in at number five. Guardians of the Galaxy still killing it. Only drops to the number six slot, earning an additional $5.2 million. $5.2 million. Grand total $313.7 million. Let's Be Cops was number seven. Teenage Mutant Ninja turtle still hanging on in the number eight slot, bringing its total to $185 million domestically. The Drop was number nine, and If I Stay was number 10. So, one of the things I've been following, and I don't talk about it too much because I just started watching the show, is HBO's True Detective series. Now, For those of you that have seen HBO True Detective, you know that Woody Harrelson, uh, you know, those guys, they killed it. They fucking killed it. Um, The thing that gets me is, uh, you know, I really liked Woody Harrelson in that I think he did a really, really good job. And the thing that gets me is that, you know, when you look at that show, you really don't think that it's going to be as good as it is, which is insane. But it really turned out to be fucking bananas, it really did. Matthew McConaughey and and Woody Harrelson were just amazing. I like Harrelson's character a little more just because he was he was a bit of a douchebag, which I liked. Um, obviously, there's some real hardcore shit in that. I um, I and a, and a couple of other people have a new a new opinion of Alexandra Daddario after that series. But um, True Detective definitely badass. It's only eight episodes. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend you do. But in any event. The big news that has been floating around is who is going to be uh, the who are going to be the lead detectives in True Detective season two. And we've heard a uh, who's who of names. We've heard it's going to be two male cops and a female cop. We've heard it's going to be just uh, a male cop. Other times I've heard that it's going to be two women, etc. It's been it's been a huge story, and I haven't really touched on it because every day that a rumor comes out, another rumor takes its place that just pretty much. Um, crushes the rumor from the previous day. That's pretty much how it's been. So it's like Monday, it's going to be, exactly, Slick said, two dogs and a giraffe. Exactly. Monday, it's two dogs and a giraffe. Uh, But Tuesday, it's no longer going to be two dogs and a giraffe. It's going to be a giraffe, a badger, and a wolverine. Uh, The day after that, it's going to be two reindeer and a fat guy. Uh, it just gets crazier and crazier. But HBO finally announced the leads, and... I'm happy and not happy at the same time. One of the leads is going to be Colin Farrell. Um, Colin Farrell has been a guy that's been tied to the project. Him and Taylor Kitsch for quite some time. Colin Farrell gets the go to be in True Detective Season 2. And he will be working alongside, get this, Vince Vaughn. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with Vince Vaughn. uh, Particularly because he plays the same fucking guy in everything the same deadpan douchebag guy that he plays in every other fucking show so you got to step your game up like true detective is on a whole other level whole other level you know colin farrell is is a, is a good actor if you give him great material he is uh, he is tremendous i mean he's got his fair share of duds too but like um, in bruges is one of one of my favorites uh, you know it's a mob flick he was he was really badass in that um I liked him as Bullseye and Daredevil. As much as people hated the movie, I felt Colin Farrell was pretty badass as Bullseye. Um, I liked him in SWAT. He was good in SWAT. He had a really uh, great cast in that movie. You know, Sam Jackson, Jeremy Renner. A lot of good actors in that flick. Lo Cool J. This is the thing. If you give him a decent plot... I even liked Alexander. Even though Alexander... If you watch it more than a handful of times, you realize how fucking pretentious that fucking movie was. But still... Colin Farrell, no problem. Vince Vaughn... Ugh. Vince Vaughn is a tough pill to swallow, especially because, like I said, he plays the same fucking thing in everything. And that that's my big concern. But we'll see what happens. Um, you know, like I said, I think there's one more actress. Well, they're going to have an actress as well in there, so it's going to be two, ma- two male leads and a female lead. Uh, the rumor right now is Rachel McAdams... Which, I don't know, I kind of feel she's a little cutesy to be in that role. Um, you know, the, uh, the chick from, oh man, what was the, the lead, the, the, girl, the young lady that was the lead in the Osama Bin Laden movie? What the hell is her name? Uh, Chastain, Jessica Chastain. A lot of people were saying that Jessica Chastain was going to be the shoe in um, to be in True Detective. Obviously, like I said, that rumor got swept under the rug. Now all signs are pointing to Rachel McAdams. Slick also informed me that Guardians of the Galaxy is scheduled to arrive on Blu-ray in December, so definitely get your wallets ready to pick up what is sure to be an amazing transfer. I also found out that there's a, a special transfer of Transformers 4 that has IMAX remastering according to the box art. I don't know how true that is. I gotta find out what the deal is because... You know, I got a 3D TV, 240 hertz, and I just, I just want my eyes to literally burn out of their head with uh, the really, really awesome transfer for Transformers Four. But that's, uh, that's a story for another day. All right, so we talked about the Deadpool movie last week. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Deadpool movie was, uh, you know, met with a lot of positive response. Everybody was excited. Ryan Reynolds is involved. It got green lit. We're all hype. Well, this is probably going to upset a lot of you because uh, Superhero Hype is reporting that 20th Century Fox is aiming for a PG-13 rating for Deadpool. I kid you not. They're looking to go PG-13 for Deadpool. Yeah. So all that excitement, all that hype that we had for Deadpool... Yeah, you could just toss that shit out the window with PG-13. And I've, I've said this before, Marvel and Disney need to create a Marvel Knights imprint, a darker imprint to put out those those characters like Blade and the Punisher and Deadpool, even Wolverine, you know, those darker, more violent characters. If you're trying to ensure that that these characters get the big screen treatment then you have to give them the big screen treatment exactly the way that they deserve to be treated a PG-13 deadpool i mean don't get me wrong deadpool in the comics he's got a lot of sophomore humor but there's a lot of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that that's questionable you know and and even though you you mute out a lot of the curses and stuff or whatever the case may be in the comics, you still want to have some fun with it, you know, you want to you wanna have a film that doesn't take itself seriously, but is, is true to the character's roots, I've talked about this with the Punisher, I've talked about this with Blade, I mean, Blade was met with so much positive response, because they gave the character the treatment that it deserved, it was violent, it was gritty, it was it was exactly what you would expect when you're looking at a character like Blade on the big screen. Even the Punisher, and we've talked about this the the second Punisher movie, even though it's not considered great in any in any shape, way, or form, the fact is that that was the truest representation of the Punisher: violent, gritty, just just exactly what you would expect. Um, you know, making Deadpool PG-13. Is just a recipe for disaster. And people are like, yeah, but X-Men Origins Wolverine and um, the second Wolverine film were okay as PG-13 movies. And it's funny because X-Men Origins Wolverine, while I enjoyed it, now that I watch it, I realize how much shit they went through to make Wolverine a shadow of his former self. If you watch the unrated version of the Wolverine, it is a far better Fucking movie James Mangold did a great job with that film and you guys would do are doing yourselves a disservice if you haven't seen the unrated Wolverine cut do yourselves a favor and check it out it's better it has a little you know uh, some some blood uh you know just all the stuff that you would expect when Wolverine is on the big screen the um the Wolverine cut the unrated cut was definitely uh it's a pretty badass, so definitely check it out if you haven't. All right, so I want to talk about Batman versus Superman because there was an Easter egg that I didn't even know was an Easter egg until it was proven recently. And this is pretty badass, according to um, Schmoe's Nose Podcast that actually broke this this story. I kind of want to talk about it because if you guys remember... In the Man of Steel, when Superman was saving everybody on the oil rig, the oil rig exploded, he landed in the ocean, and then he ended up back on the shore. Now, according to what they've said, um, and this is pretty crazy, they said that if you watch that scene, you'll see that there are whales circling Superman when he fell into the ocean. And that allegedly, the whales were sent by Aquaman to make sure he was okay. So a lot of websites are acknowledging this, and according to what they're saying, um, they you know the the sources that Schmoesno spoke to actually acknowledged that that is legit. So ma- take that for what it's worth. I mean, there's a lot of great Easter eggs in a lot of these movies, but I did not expect that at all. I actually rewatched Man of Steel, and I'm like, oh shit. The whales were really there. It was pretty badass. For those of you that don't know, Aquaman is scheduled to show up in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, and he will be played by uh, Jason Momoa. So you pretty much have uh, Kyle Aquaman Drogo, who is allegedly going to have a surfer look to him. So definitely not the blonde and very pretty Aquaman that you guys see in the books. Something a little more gritty, a little more dark. Yeah, pretty much. Roman Reigns is Aquaman. Roman Reigns is also Khal Drogo, who is also Jason Momoa. They're all the same guy. Mark Wahlberg is really John Cena. <laughs> you you guys know the deal, but I really can't believe that that Easter egg snuck by me because you know what it is? It's a blink-and-you-missed-it type of moment. Same thing with, um, if you saw The Incredible Hulk, the deleted scene where Bruce Banner's gonna commit suicide... When the Incredible Hulk causes the avalanche, if you freeze the frame, you actually see Captain America frozen in the ice, which is really fucking cool. Like, there's so many great things. The Punisher in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, Obviously, the Wayne Enterprises satellite in Man of Steel. The LexCorp trucks. There's so many great Easter eggs, but that one, the Aquaman shit, I would never have thought of that. Ever. And again, you know... I, even though the, everybody's confirming that that's legit I don't know man it's you know it's a little it's a little weird it's definitely a little weird you know but still uh pretty badass for sure definitely something that that I would not have expected I recommend you guys check out Man of Steel again and you can see the scene for yourself so in some marvel news Brian Singer is heading back to the director's chair to direct X Men Apocalypse. Now, if you guys remember, Brian Singer was dealing with some legal issues that I almost thought were going to prevent him from being involved in X Men Apocalypse, but studios like fucking money. And considering the amount of money that Days of Future Past made, you know you want to get Brian Singer back in that director's chair for X Men Apocalypse. So it is going to happen. There you have it, folks. Uh, obviously, the focus is going to utilize the focus of the film will be on the first class team of characters. So, based on that, they're allegedly going to recast Storm, Cyclops, and Jean Grey because allegedly this part of the film is supposed to take place in the '80s. So, based on that, uh, the X Men will square off with Apocalypse in the '80s, and they're going to be utilizing the first class. Uh, versions of the X Men. I don't know uh, how that's gonna work, but obviously, with the exception of Hugh Jackman, who obviously never ages, you know, um, that's what they're gonna go with. Of course, Slick says, mind you, Apocalypse first appeared in the nineties, dude. It, yeah, we know, we know what the deal is, man. <laughs> we know what the de- you know Hollywood is gonna take as many fucking liberties as possible. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is one of the things I like when when Slick is in there. That that Slick is gonna come out and just be like, "No, motherfuckers, facts, facts. This is the way shit was." And 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 you know, I I love that because it's true. You don't you don't think about it. You don't think about it. But Slick says, and he corrected himself. He said, "Apocalypse first appeared July 1986." So there you have it. <laughs> Either way, still pretty badass. You know, they're they're gonna recast cyclops Jean gray and storm of course the first thing that everybody said is if you're gonna cast storm it's gotta be lupita nyong'o and as soon as i read it i'm like really that's the first fucking name you came up with because she's young and she's african-american and she's you know she's like the hot actress right now sure why not but um that's a that's the first name that everybody spit out immediately oh lupita nyong'o can play storm in x-men first class i'm like come the fuck on how about you you wait you wait a little bit the movie hasn't even started uh going into production and everybody's talking about lupita nyango playing fucking storm let's not fuel rumors that do not exist yet seriously <laughs> in any event the only guy who i know is a constant is going to be hugh jackman from what i've heard X Men Apocalypse and the third Wolverine film will be his final role, his final two, uh, his final two films as Wolverine. So you know, who knows? Maybe they'll recast him down the road. I think Hugh Jackman has done a great job as Wolverine. I, it, it always bothers me though that Wolverine is pretty fucking tall because we all know in the comics Wolverine is fucking short. He is one of the reasons why I've always liked to to you know dress as Wolverine for Halloween when I was younger is because Wolverine is short you know it definitely works plus I have uh some pretty pronounced canines much like Wolverine has in the comics so obviously he is definitely a little lighter than I am but I always felt that you know he's one of the few characters that I like to uh, to dress up as for Halloween because you know the stature was there the size was there um you know it is what it is but um and you know, yeah. And the Ultimates Wolverine is not short. It's true. I that is true. Only in the regular Marvel universe. Which, um, by the way, the uh, the Death of Wolverine comic is surprisingly badass. I'm gonna try and see if I if I can review them. I got to step up my comic reviews. But um, Death of Wolverine is a pretty badass comic. Just saying. All right. So, Batista is in the news this week. Batista, as you know, is riding the incredible wave of success from guardians of the galaxy and his wwe future is un you know is pretty much uncertain but he's gone on record saying that he would like to do one last match at wrestlemania 31 and maybe use that as his farewell tour and retire which is pretty cool you know i respect batista man no no harm in that and um he's actually scheduled to be in a brand new movie called bus 657 Um, According to Deadline, he will be starring alongside Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Kate Bosworth, and Gina Carano. Also in that film is Robert De Niro. Now, the plot of the film is a pretty standard action thriller plot. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays a father who, along with his co-worker, rob a casino in order to to pay for medical expenses for uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's daughter's character. They hijack two full buses full of people, and of course the plot goes astray. Robert De Niro will be playing the casino owner. Kate Bosworth will be playing the daughter, and Gina Carano is going to be playing a cop that is pursuing the hijacked buses. Uh, pretty, pretty solid plot. Um, again, you know, another another film for Batista. It's um th- that's a that's a good analogy. Isaiah says John Q meets Speed. Yeah, pretty much. I um again. My my faith in Batista as an actor has changed a bit after his work in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he does have a couple of duds under his belt. We, we got to acknowledge that. Same thing with Gina Carano. I do feel that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Robert De Niro definitely should pump up the legitimate acting in that film. I do want to give Gina Carano a chance as an actress, but, the, but the, her fucking acting is so wooden and so one-dimensional that... that I mean, you know, she was good in Haywire in all the fight scenes, but as soon as she started talking, you're like, ugh. And and again, her voice was dubbed in that film, so that might have been a factor, but you know, she definitely needs to to, you know, mellow out her screen presence a bit. She was good in the in Fast and Furious. I mean, she was she was solid in that, but she was also limited to very minimal dialogue. So there is that. All right, so Speaking of Days of Future Past, which is arriving on DVD and Blu-ray October 13th, if you're interested in picking it up, I gotta tell you guys that I might, you know, you might be better off waiting because they're gonna release an extended version in the summer of 2015, even though it's gonna have an additional 10 minutes of footage, plus some other uh, cameos from other X-Men characters. If, If you're a person that wants to enjoy the full version of the film, Hold out until the summertime. Otherwise, if you don't give a shit, um, you can pick up Days of Future Pass on DVD and Blu-ray on October 13th. Now, the thing about this is that, you know, the extra 10 minutes and the cameos, I just, what frustrates me is that you'd rather double dip and piss people off than just release the completed film the first time. I'm serious. I'd rather the, the, the DVD and Blu-ray release get delayed a month or two and we get the complete version versus having to wait till 2015 to pick it up. It's ridiculous. I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies are notorious for that shit. You pick up the the, the Lord of the Rings films and before you know it, oh, extended editions will be out. They're going to be four and a half hours long. Fuck you. Oh, you spent $25 on that Blu-ray? Go fuck yourself. Like, that's pretty much what Hollywood does. It bothers me to no end, especially with The Hobbit films, which, you know, I bought the extended editions of Lord of the Rings because I waited for them to be on sale on Black Friday because I had already bought them two other times. Once on DVD, uh, the extended editions on DVD, then when the, the, the movies came out on Blu-ray, I waited for the extended editions, and then I just waited till Black Friday because fuck Peter Jackson with that shit. Because seriously, it's insane. Excuse me. Double dipping, triple dipping. It's, it's, it's insanity. And then what happens is you get pissed off and then you don't want to buy any of them until there's a definitive set. It happens all the time and and the Hobbit films are the biggest offenders. The biggest offenders. And it's crazy now that we're going to start seeing that with, with the Marvel movies as well, at least on the Fox side of things. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Star Wars movies are guilty of that to a degree, but, you know, it's not... Yeah, we might have a double dip, but it's not going to be that crazy. That's all I'm saying. So, we got some what-the-fuck movie news for this week. Uh, It's been a while, and um, this next bit of news is a little crazy because this involves a movie that is old as hell. This movie is from 1985. Now, if you don't know this movie, IMDb is your friend. You guys may know because it pretty much made Val Kilmer a household name. That movie is Real Genius. Now, Real Genius, if you don't remember was um about a, a guy played by Val Kilmer who was just a brilliant guy but also a fucking troublemaker. He was he was a pretty much a lunatic, but extremely gifted, extremely smart. And the funny thing about that movie is they used to always give it on channel eleven. I think I've only seen about twenty five minutes of that movie. Now here's the crazy thing. They want to bring this to to the small screen. They want to put it on TV and turn it into a single-camera workplace sitcom. You see how crazy this is. They want to take Real Genius, the film from 1985, and they want to turn it into a single-camera workplace sitcom similar to The Office. That's what it's going to be. According to Deadline, the duo behind the series, um, it's about a rock star-like genius and a sheltered, naive co-worker. That's that's pretty much what it's going to be. And it's being produced by Happy Madison, uh, you know, Adam Sandler's company. So, you know, it's it's weird that they want to do this. And it's such a random thing. But to not only take a movie from 1985 and try and turn it into some some single camera workplace shit, it's insane. It is insane. And I'm sure I, you know, I see that slick said I'm missing out on it and Danny says that she loved that movie. Like I said, I'm I'm guilty of only seeing about half an hour of that movie. Half an hour. Because they'd always give it on channel eleven. I'd start watching it or and it was always channel eleven. Channel eleven when when I was you know five, six, seven years old, it was always uh the Superman movies, Supergirl, um Willow, they used to give Willow a lot, and Real Genius. So that's how it used to always be every Sunday at five o'clock. They do the afternoon movie and it would be those films. It would always be those films. It would, you know, be Superman or Superman two, maybe it'd be Superman one and two. Um, maybe it would be Superman four. It was, it was insane that you could pretty much know the lineup every Sunday. Uh, you know, willow, willow. I used to watch religiously. Willow is probably one of my all time favorite films. Of course, Val Kilmer was in that as Mad Mardigan, and one of my favorite characters, General Kale. The Skull Mask is amazing. I definitely wouldn't, would, I always wanted to play that character for Halloween, because I always felt that the Skull Mask was really cool, and um, I never ever was able to find it. Obviously, me being 5'6", the easiest character to play would be Willow, but um, I'm kind of brown, and I'm also a purist. But General Kale is pretty fucking badass, and um, I always wanted to play him for Halloween. I mean, I've been um, an immortal from 300, I've been Leatherface, uh, I've, I've been a prison inmate, but this was when my job used to pay, uh, they used to pay money for the best costume. It used to be 100 bucks, so I would go and um, buy some really, really crazy shit. And I'd always do it, like like, like I said, the uh, the immortal from three hundred won me first place. Uh, Leatherface because I had a chainsaw and limbs and you know a bloody apron, just real real craziness. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the, the the small things. Now that I'm in a smaller office, we don't do any of that stuff, so I don't spend money on costumes anymore. But don't don't get me wrong, I did want to get a Bane mask to do the show as Bane last year. So, you know, I still, I still can have some fun with that. I think uh, maybe this year for Halloween, uh, Halloween falls on a Friday, but maybe Wednesday and Thursday, I have some masks of some craziness. uh, And we'll have a little fun with that this year. We'll see what happens. So on the Blu-ray side of things, the uh, top selling Blu-ray for the week of September 21st was Godzilla, which has a tremendous, a tremendous transfer Beautifully well done, amazing audio. If you have um, a 7.1 system, turn that fucker up. Holy shit, is it, the audio is fantastic. I mean, the transfer is beautiful. Beautiful fucking transfer. But the audio, the audio is sick. It is sick audio. Uh, DTS-HD, beautiful, like I said, just a beautiful transfer if you're running it through... um, you know, the, the most home theaters, especially 7.2, I saw it being played on a 7.2 home theater and it was running on a really, really awesome TV. And it just, it just blew my mind. <laughs> it It is, it is a, it is a tremendous transfer. I, I, you know, I, I definitely recommend you picking it up. It's a great showpiece. If you want to test out your home theater, definitely a recommendation. Also, if you got an Xbox One, pick up the Forza da- uh, the Forza demo, because the audio and the transfer is bananas. It is bananas. Slick. I picked it up uh, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, I picked it up. Had a couple of dollars uh, laying around, and I actually had some Best Buy Reward Zone money. Had a uh, ten dollars in Reward Zone. Knocked the knocked the uh, the uh it knocked it down to twelve dollars and. <laughs> that was it. And the reason is just because a lot of, a lot of Blu-rays came out at once. And I was just like, shit, you know, uh, I hate. And for those of you that get paid every two weeks, you know, this, uh, that off week between paychecks where you're pretty much trying to ensure that your money lasts until the following week. But, um, I cheated <laughs> cause this week is a pay week and I had $10 in reward zone bucks. So, uh, there you go. Anyway, Again, great showpiece. Do yourselves a favor, pick it up if you haven't. Um, I also got to say that Captain America and the Winter Soldier is another amazing transfer. Uh, very, very well done. Another great showpiece. And I've kind of, I've kind of been a little bit more selective than usual when it comes to my Blu-ray purchases. I've been buying. I used to buy DVDs and Blu-rays as soon as they came out. Uh, one for collector purposes. Two, just for my my side gig that I had. Um, but Now I'm a little bit more selective. Uh, The Marvel films, I always buy on DVD. I mean, I always buy them on Blu-ray. Any movies with great sound, great special effects, I always pick up. You know, Gravity, Transformers, stuff like that. Uh, Transformers, obviously, I'm going to buy. All the Marvel stuff, I'm going to buy. Well, most of the superhero movies I own on Blu-ray in some capacity. I got maybe one or two that I haven't picked up just because they're either not cheap enough. Like the Blade movies, I think I only have... I think I have the first Blade on Blu-ray, but I don't have the second. I got to see. I think I do. I got to check. Just because, you know, those are the movies that you wait for them to drop, like, for an $8 deal, and then you pick it up. So, you know, I'm guilty of that shit sometimes. Uh, Slick just reminded me that Persona 4 Ultimax comes out uh, for, uh, is it PlayStation 3 or is it PS4, Slick? I haven't played Persona in a while. I remember I rented it. From um, Gamefly. Is it on PS3? I'm not sure if it is. Maybe I'll I'll pick it up. Ah, PS3 and 360. Thank you, Slick. Maybe I will pick that up as well. We'll see what happens. Anyway, just to wrap things up, I did want to say, and and this is something that, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit at length, is um, Vizio announced their brand new 4K TVs. Now, Vizio gets uh, some very, very interesting press because depending on who you ask, you either get really, really positive opinions about it or really, really negative. Now, everybody that I know that owns a Vizio TV has great things to say about it. They're incredibly affordable. Um, One of the first 240 hertz TVs, uh, uh, 240 hertz uh, televisions I saw was from Vizio, and it was a beautiful picture. But check this out. Vizio actually is releasing an affordable 4k television it is going to be a thousand dollars i kid you not uh vizio's 4k tv i'm gonna uh break down the specs and it's it's insane it it is really really crazy i mean obviously the jump to 4k is still a ways off because obviously we don't have the 4k blu-rays yet but that's going to be happening next month in any event let me let me school you guys so Vizio is going to be releasing 4K TVs starting at $1,000. The 50-inch P-Series Ultra HD TV is going to be $1,000. The 55-inch is going to be $1,400. The 60-inch is going to be $1,700. The 65-inch is going to be $2,200. And the 70-inch is going to be $2,500. It is insane. So they're going to start at a $1,000 50-inch model and... um, you know, LG actually introduced some 4Ks also starting at 1000 but that was a 40-inch version. 50-inch 4K TV for a grand. Uh, this is the Vizio P-Series, and if you're interested in picking one up, uh, you can actually pre-order it today on Vizio, or I believe they also have it available for pre-order on Amazon, uh, Best Buy, Target, and Walmart, which are also scheduled to get them. Uh, it's pretty fucking crazy. I know that people are unsure of making the jump to 4K, especially after 3D. But think about this. It is a, a... Vizios are a solid brand. Don't let the name... Don't let the fact that they sell it in Costco or BJ's turn you off. Because they make some really solid displays. And um, I have to admit, a 4K TV for $1,000 is awfully fucking tempting. It really is fucking tempting. Because the, the TV I have is a 46. And I paid... I, I got it from Sony at a huge discount. I think I paid, uh, eleven hundred dollars for a forty-six inch. It's a um, two forty hertz. Uh, that goes to four eighty. Uh, it has three D capabilities. And like I said, I paid I paid about eleven hundred for it. Uh, zero percent interest. All that all that beautiful stuff. They gave me two pairs of free glasses. So the fact that I'm that there's a TV that's bigger than my TV and is four K for a grand is pretty fucking serious, pretty serious, so if you're in the market for a TV, and this is something that usually happens around uh, Super Bowl week, um, where they put out some really good deals, maybe you might want to hold out and bag a 4K TV for a grand, a 50-inch TV, I'd put that shit in my fucking room, I don't give a shit, and still, even a 70-inch TV for $2,500, it's insane, because If you go into the Sony Style Store now, 4K TVs are up there into the the $3,500 range, uh, the the four grand range, depending on which size you're getting. And now Vizio just fucking undercut everybody with a $1,000 TV. Again, a 50-inch TV. If you don't want to mess with Vizio, like I said, LG is doing a 40-inch. That is also $1,000. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 4K is upon us, and 3D is kind of fallen by the wayside i mean you know what it is uh 3d tvs depending on on who it is and what kind of glasses you got to deal with it's not for everybody i mean the the glasses i got for my tv you know they're you charge them via usb and they they're they're pretty badass like i said i got a couple of 3d movies um dread dread in 3d was definitely uh worth the investment i mean dread on 3d you can actually find in best buy now i believe for 10 bucks it was on sale 15 bucks and it's a, it's a great showpiece if you want to showcase a 3D television if you're interested in that. So with that said, uh, Vizio's P-Series Televisions, MSRP, $1,000 for a 50-inch, all the way up to $2,500 for a 70-inch. All right, guys. So uh, that's actually going to wrap up the show for this week. Look at that. We uh, went a little over 90 minutes. Not too bad. Anyway. Let's take it home, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 246 presented by Rageworks. To find archived episodes of My Take Radio, you can go to mytakeradio.com or rageworks.net. You can also find archived episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. As always, if you want the best My Take Radio experience, pick up the My Take Radio app. It's $1.99. Gives you access to 96k stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and a host of other exclusive content as well. All right, My Take Radio airs next week, next Wednesday, at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. That is our MMA and wrestling edition. And then, of course, Thursdays, we will be talking gaming and entertainment. If you want to keep up with MTR via social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Pinterest. Same thing with Rageworks. You can find us on Facebook, Google+, and Pinterest as well. If you want to get the video episodes, you can find them on YouTube.com forward slash my take radio TV. Also you can head over to YouTube.com forward slash official Rageworks for all of our RageWorks content as well. Starting with My Take Radio episode 250, we will start adding it on our Rageworks YouTube channel in addition. So there you have it guys that is going to wrap up the show for this week. On behalf of myself Slick, Quark, Blade, Jay Santee, Ben, Andrea, Josh, and the rest of the MTR family. I will see you guys next week. That's it. Let's get the hell out of here, shall we? Peace. I did say that I was not going to play outro music uh, for for this episode and was just going to add it in post. But, uh, you know, what can I do? I'm a fucking sucker. Anyway, uh, Tetris Crimea um, from ocremix.org. The artist is Sir Nuts. N-U-T-S. Sir nuts. Uh, Tetris Crimea, um, available on ocremix.org.